It's unapologetic. Black Radio, Black Radio. Unapologetic Black Radio is brought to you by Naomi Lilly. I'm a sophomore at Duke, major is African American Studies, minor is Gender Studies, and certificate in Documentary Studies. My name is Shania Anderson. I am a sophomore. My major is Cultural Anthropology with a minor in Global Health. My name is Arnie Henderson. I'm a sophomore. My major is History, and my minor is African and African American Studies. Alright, hello, hello everyone. This is Naomi Lily speaking, and before we get started, I would like to introduce our special guest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Taylor. I'm here on the radio. I'm a senior uh, studying political science and journalism and media studies. Um, and I do a little bit of writing on the side. Okay. okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Alyssa Cleveland. I'm a sophomore studying environmental science and African and African American studies. And you know what I'm saying? I'm an artist. I be writing, taking pictures, all that. Okay. okay. All right. So. <clears throat> We start every show with a little advice, and the following advice is from Six Brown Chicks, uh, which is a group of women of lifestyle bloggers that were recently featured on Ayanla's Fix My Life. So here's the situation. I got a wife and kids. Oh, I have a wife and a kid. Um, dating a younger co-worker at a black magazine everyone used to read. We decided to launch our own mag. Um, she got design skills and money. Job cuts were announced. To spare my job, I told <laughs> HR that she was stealing money from the company. She was fired. I spent our money, changed my number. A few months later, our whole department was fired. And she landed a better job at a place I applied to. How to reconnect with her. <laughs> yeah, you wrote that from a box. Oh my god! Oh, wait. So this is the not the person, your is, wife. This is your coworker you were dating. This is the guy who dated the okay. wife, and he, they both worked at the same magazine. And basically, to save his job, he basically got her fired. What you doing, man? Oh my god! And now he's he wants to reconnect with her. Mm. 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 That's, That's a magazine. No one reads no more. He throwing shade. What is it? Ebony Jet. What are we talking about? Magazine <laughs> I don't know. He no didn't more. specify. Okay. Yeah, but y'all got any advice on how he can reconnect with her? The, the answer is <laughs> don't. no. <laughs> exactly. Don't like, repent. What you doing? But oh. like a simple hello. <laughs> what you doing? You still got how a house? You, you know. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like men need to stop ruining women's lives. Mm. Mm. Yes, and so I think you know, sis, let him go. Yeah, because you could have had all that, but you had to. You had to mess around, like. Mm. And she don't owe him nothing. No, so. totally. Okay. Totally. I mean, but out of all things, you told like HR that she was stealing money. Like you could have told another. You could have told on another. <laughs> no, yeah. But instead, you <laughs> told on your significant <laughs> yeah. other. Like yeah. and got your whole department fired. Exactly. Yeah. Mind you, but you have a wife in it. Who got cut? Why her? Like, but the thing is, like, it. he was never loyal from the jump because he been mm. had a, he had a wife. So I mean, what did you expect? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he thought he no, he thought he was, I'm going to get out of this quick. I'm going to get her fired. It's all going to be good. But see, God got an answer for that. That's what that is. Come on. I want to know who this is so the wife can know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably heard of her too. She on TV or something. Now, this situation is too crazy for her. For all we know, the wife might not even be with him no more. She need to leave too. <laughs> they all need to leave. Where yeah. are they? Hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> to find everybody out here. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we're going to move on to our topic for today, which is mental health and removing the stigma from mental health. So just to get started, we want to start off with the basic question. What is the importance of mental health to you? I guess I can start. Um, so 
I have struggled with my mental health since high school. And, like, during that time period, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just like, mm. wow, I feel like trash. This is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, once I got here, it was kind of harder to move through that um, while also being a Duke student. Um, so, like, I've just, over the past year, I've seen how mental health affects really everything you do. Mm-hmm. Like, um you can really ignore, try to ignore it, but it's going to affect the way that you interact with other people and the relationships you have with people. Um, so, like, if you aren't showing up for yourself, then you won't be showing up for your friends in the way that they need you. Right. Um, so, like, mental health is just important in the way that you interact with yourself, with others, and, like, the way you show up in the world. Yeah. Yeah, to add on to that, I think mental health is definitely a form of resistance. It's a form of just one's livelihood. And I think, for me personally... I didn't really think about mental health in high school. Um, I didn't really think about much in high school, just trying to get into college. And then when I got to Duke, there were a lot of things that hit me at once. So number one, the academics. But then kind of like what Alyssa said, I'm like, oh, I I ain't feeling too great. Like, what is this? And then you start asking, oh, is it just the situation? Is it just the semester? Mm -hmm. Maybe like once I finish this paper, am I going to feel better? Mm -hmm. Maybe once this project's done, you know, is this stress going to be gone? But once you start recognizing patterns... And you start realizing, okay, this is something that's ongoing. Um, You really have to ask yourself, like, all right, what is this? Do some reflection and seek help. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that people shouldn't be ashamed of. And um, it's really a journey and a process that looks different for everybody else. But um, I think the best piece of advice that I've received is that in the same way you wouldn't be walking around on a broken leg for three years, Mm -hmm. why would you do that with depression or anxiety? If you know, especially here at Duke with the resources that we have, Mm -hmm. um, it's really a blessing. So utilize it and use it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to ask our guests, at least where I'm from, me personally, like, there is a stigma surrounding going and getting help and, like, going to therapy. Like, for me personally, stepping on this campus, like, I was like, oh, yeah, there's no way I'll ever need to go to CAPS. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and just for me, just my background, like, the way that, like, we grew up is, you know, what are you going over there for? You, something wrong with you? Nah, it's just the type of thing that's it's there for you if you need it. But I would, I'd be curious as to what steps do you think you could take to sort of break that stigma within, like, the community and African Americans towards going to therapy and, like, going and, like, getting help that you need? Like, what can we do to break that stigma around it being bad? Mm, that's a good question. I think it really depends on the person, like the individual. And I think mm-hmm. gender plays a really large part in no, it. Right. Because I think for a lot of the women on campus, that's a conversation we're having continuously. Like it's an ongoing conversation. And I think within my last four years here, I've seen a large um shift of black women just being very open about hey i'm going to caps today mm-hmm. or i just joined group therapy mm-hmm. you should go too because mm-hmm. i see you struggling sis. <laughs> yeah. and i think that's something that i'm really proud of because my freshman year those were not the conversations i was having but they definitely needed to be had um but i don't really know what men are saying but i i know that toxic black masculinity and mm-hmm. i know for men of color there's this idea of like having to be strong all the time mm-hmm. And I know in black households, um, our grandparents don't know what a therapist is. Um, My parents don't really even know what a therapist is. Mm -hmm. And I think breaking down the stigma is saying, like, I'm still strong. Um, And me actually going to therapy is proof of me being strong. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of our family members, um, even some of our friends, you watch them in these cycles of alcoholism, addiction, um, depression. And when you start recognizing those symptoms and they're not getting help, you kind of realize like your own 
self-care is really a form of resistance. And I think once we start phrasing it in that way, I think more people will realize it's a form of empowerment and the stigma will kind of be broken. Right. I also, I like what you said about um, how vulnerability is like a strength um, because one way to take away the stigma from, you know, seeking treatment and therapy is for people who are already in that position to be at a level of vulnerability that they're able to share about their experience because for a long time, um, like for me, I didn't seek help because I was like, what are they about to even help me with? Mm, like, what yeah. are they about to tell me that's going to change anything about my situation? Um, but also, it's the ways in which you find community. Um, because I found a lot of times, like, with some people, I would tell them, oh, I'm going to therapy. And, like, their reaction would be counter. Um, productive to my healing mm -hmm. just because they didn't understand like what therapy was. I didn't understand what it was either. I was mm -hmm. just like, bro, like, <laughs> I'm not depressed. Um, I got a good mood today. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, just having an overall level of vulnerability and validation of the experiences that people are going through, even if it's not something that you have ever been educated about or like understand, being open to hearing the experiences of people um, who struggle with mental health. And even like if you don't, there are like, I feel like when you say, um, like everybody should go to CAPS people are thinking like okay but I don't struggle with my mood I don't struggle with depression anxiety mm -hmm. but there are things that impact your mental well-being that like every person needs to be able to work through mm -hmm. um, so like taking away this idea that like the only reason you go to CAPS is if you struggle with mental illness or like the only reason you go to CAPS is, is because you struggle with addiction like you can go to CAPS to work through a situation that has like traumatized you mm -hmm. um, and like the word traumatized I think that people are kind of scared of that word because mm -hmm. they're like that situation didn't traumatize me mm -hmm. but like the way you move about in the world um, is like evident that situations can and do traumatize you yeah. yeah. And I also think we have to tell people, like the people who are in CAPS, like let them or help them reimagine like what it is. Mm -hmm. So I know before I went to therapy, I'm over here like, OK, there's going to be this crazy man, <laughs> um, you know, with a clock dangling in front of me, asking me these like questions about my psych. Which, the second place. Yeah, with that, you you know. know, like <laughs> some shrink. But I know that's not that's not true. And I think one thing that um, Duke has done is like they've provided way more um, psychologists and psychiatrists mm -hmm. right. of color. And so when I tell my friends, like, look, my psychiatrist, my therapist, I'm in group therapy. They're all led by women of color, mm -hmm. people that look like me. You know, a lot of people's eyes light up because that's something that you can't really get in other places, mm -hmm. especially at universities. And I think that makes the experience more personable. But a lot of times when you talk about therapy, um, especially for women, especially for women of color, you automatically have this idea of you sitting in front of a white man telling him about problems and people's first defense is they don't know anything about mm -hmm. me. How can they help me? Mm -hmm. right. And so when you get over that first barrier I think that's how you start making some change mm -hmm. yeah um, I think something that a lot of people talk about too is the ways in which religion and spirituality affects mm. mental health or like mm -hmm. how oftentimes religion or spirituality are used as a type of therapy for mental health um, and so what would you all say to that um, I can say just off of like personal experience you know um, when I was like eight 
traumatic experience. Not going to say it over here, but you know, the first thing that I ended up telling just like family members was. I was like eight. So I'm just like, I don't know. I'm sad. And I just start crying. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, go pray to God. And, you know, at that time, it was just like, I mean, I'm praying to God because it's obligatory in my household. Like I'm Muslim. Mm-hmm. So we have to pray mm-hmm. five times a day. Right. But I'm just like, I don't know, actually, like how, how to pray as far as mm-hmm. me saying my problems and having a law like answer those. So I didn't really know how that worked. And y'all know the quote where it's like, faith without work is dead. Mm. And in terms of mental health, like, that's literally just how it is. You can't expect, you know, to to say, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I'm going through my depressive symptoms right now and I'm going to go to, <clears throat> I'm going to go to God or somebody, right? Or to God. And you just, I mean, of course, going to God is like, first and foremost, is that if that's like fundamental. But then after that, like faith without work is dead. So going to someone that can actually help you mm. is the next step after mm. that, you know, so kind of like joining your religious faith with getting like the therapy mm. that you need goes hand in hand. And you can't do for me like you couldn't, I couldn't do one without the other. Mm. And like, mm. I'm just, I'm like facing like the repercussions of that now because like I didn't know how to, but those two all like they go hand in hand mm-hmm. and i say like <clears throat> especially if you're talking with like your family members about like religion um and like seeking treatment i think that the conversation becomes like either or um because they don't see how like how if you are praying and if you are like giving this to god um like why you would want to seek something else to like help you but um um, me and one of my like accountability partners, the way that she expressed it is like God has given us these tools mm-hmm. in order to like heal ourselves and to move forward. And He gives us doctors. Like if you, like Taylor said, like if you broke your leg, they're not just going to be like pray about it and it'll go away. Like you need to take the necessary steps, right. the the healing steps that He has given us. Um, along with like staying in your faith if that's in your practice Mm -hmm. um and like there is like a lot of literature and like books you can read about like how to connect your treatment and like therapy with like your faith so that it's not it's never either or it's like it's all intertwined in the Mm -hmm. same like healing process right So now we'll talk a little bit about media and kind of how um, mental health has played out in the media. So we have like a few different (coughs) cases. I'll just go ahead and list all of them. And then after we can just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first is Demi Lovato and her personal struggles also with Kalani and the drama that was between her and Kyrie um, when people were basically accusing her of cheating. Um, We have Bow Wow, who recently made a tweet saying his new album was going to be Suicide Backwards. Um, saying that he didn't think he was going to make it to the age of 35 and like mm-hmm. tweeting sometimes I wish I wasn't here. Right. Um, we have Tyrese who lost his kids and had been away from his 10 year old Shayla for too long which is two months and was begging his ex-wife to drop her fight for a restraining order against him and like there's that popular video of him like crying and stuff that people mm-hmm. have like made into a meme and stuff so there's that and there's just the idea of like black men and not being able to mm-hmm. show mental health or show struggles with mental health as Taylor kind of mentioned earlier so that's kind of a lot but you know what are you all's thoughts on that yeah i want to start with demi lovato that's my girl (laughs) and to be honest like i knew 
I didn't really know much about Demi Lovato's backstory. I knew she was like a hit Disney star that kind of fell off for a little bit and was making a comeback. But I knew in a lot of her music, it was a lot of themes of like resistance. And like, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, mm, like, where is this stemming from? So finally, <laughs> you know, her music, she had a couple bops. Some people were putting me on. I was like, let me look into this. So I went on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's free, everyone. Check out her documentary. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And she really opens up about everything that happened to her and to be frank like shit just hit the fan and that's what she said and so um she came out about being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and i think that was really important because a lot of times when people talk about mental health it's like depression and anxiety and i think that's becoming a little bit more acceptable now be like oh my depression or oh my anxiety but when we start talking about stuff like bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. or schizophrenia or ptsd that's when people want to be like oh now now you you off guilty. Mm, and so to see somebody like Demi Lovato talk about that but also talk about um what came with that so actually fun fact about her the reason why she's a songwriter is from like the age of like nine she would stay up until like 6 a.m writing music under her covers and that's actually a symptom of bipolar disorder it's like hypomania or mania and so she said she was living with it for years and didn't Mm. realize what it was and then after all this stress, pressures about her weight, um, being just in Hollywood, she became addicted to cocaine, which is an upper. And with bipolar disorder, um, you know, you suffer from depression as well. So, of course, you're going to be addicted to a substance that makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. And so after all of that, she detoxed from everything, including her phone, her social mm-hmm. media. And she was really just talking about the support system. And I think that's important. Um, but I think she's an example of people that have done it well and have used her she's used her struggles as a form of resistance and strength and I think unfortunately the way that she's had to do that is really just bearing it all Mm -hmm. Um, because in the case of like Kalani with her tweeting about like killing herself almost people were still coming at her neck like Mm -hmm. oh you a hoe I mean you should kill yourself Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. this all just ties into this idea of womanhood and like what you can and can't be and so automatically without a diagnosis women are deemed as dramatic over the top Mm -hmm. and then bam you have a label slapped on you if you're depressed anxious bipolar schizophrenic and now it's like i mean like people just automatically have these ideas about you and so i think media really plays a big a huge role in the way that we talk about these illnesses in the way that we picture or the way that the way that we understand how people can function and who these people are. And so the last thing I'm going to say is just like, um, when I think of, when people think of someone who's bipolar, they often think of someone who just can't function in society. Mm -hmm. And so to see somebody like Demi Lovato, it's just, it's really a testament that like, if you get help and you really fix the problem, like anybody can function. Mm. I'd say that in media, (laughs) while I don't know, like most of the stories of the people that you listed, I have seen how like, like as people, we're expected to be like at a certain level of like functionality like we're supposed to be whatever but in media when people are in the spotlight um it's kind of like they're expected to be even more perfect than like the normal person is um so like with these situations i've just seen like the backlash is mostly like why are you talking about this like Mm -hmm. why are you 
why are you bringing this to the attention um, of like millions of people? Like, obviously, you're seeking for you're seeking attention. You you don't really care about like this issue, um, and it comes from a level that people aren't educated about like mental health at all. Like they don't they're not educated about the way that their mental health affects them. So then they project that onto other people, um, especially if they're being open about the experiences they've had. Um, I feel like media definitely like makes people um I'm trying to say um like people aren't able to be as vulnerable about the situations that they're going through um especially like if we're going to talk about art um so like for me art is a way to like declare a freedom that does not currently exist right and the fact that um like in popular media like there's obviously pieces about like mental health and stuff um but like in popular media the fact that that is not something that has been tackled yet is just a testament to where we are um in like our understanding and education on mental health and the way that it affects people yeah so i would like to um I'm going to give a quote. It's totally not for me. Uh, this is probably the best way I've heard hypermasculinity summed up since like, being on this campus. Uh, there was a talk a few weeks ago, NAACP put on for um, you know black men hypermasculinity, and Corey just gave this amazing... I never heard it broken down so well, but the way he described it, he says that he feels like masculinity is an armor, right? Hypermasculinity is an armor. And it, it allows you to do certain things. You're stronger against things, right? So there's things that you can... It'll defend you from, you know, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I'm, I'm strong, whatever. But it restricts your movement. And so in terms of mental health, although you might feel bolstered at the moment, oh, yeah, no, I got, I'm good. I'll suck it up. Mm. Later, that's going to have an effect on you. It really is. And it's going to, and it's one of those things that builds up over time. And I think like what Alyssa is saying is that people aren't clear of the ways that this does affect your day-to-day life and the way that it does affect the way you treat other people specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Corey. That was an amazing, like, right? I was like, that, I was like, man, he really something up right there, man. I was, I was like, man, that's right. Yeah. And I think you see it in like rap music all the time. Mm. I mean, think about it. Like, when rappers be talking about I'm on the lean, I'm on Zanny, mm-hmm. like, um, you know. And we like, go here like, hey, y'all. <laughs> y'all, 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 y'all be like, I'm sad and I'm addicted to drugs. Like, I want my girl back. And we really be like, Like, you know, Young M.A. was like, I'm on the Henny. Like, she really be talking. I'm like, yo, like, y'all are really putting your whole heart into this, but it's screaming like, I'm depressed and I'm on substances because I'm depressed. Yeah. And it's like, and we just over here bopping to it. And I mean, it's it's contributing to, you know, them getting a check, which I hope, you know, contributes to them, you know, seeking help. But regardless. You just go buy more Henny or whatever. So yeah, yeah, but like, nah, she changed her life around. She lost some weight. You know, I think she off the Henny, at least in her last song, she said. But it's just like, when you really listen to the lyrics and if you think about like what Alyssa said, trauma, and where a lot of these rappers are coming from, mm-hmm. especially like real rappers coming from like the gutter, like when they talking about losing friends from gun violence, mm-hmm. when they talking about coming from homes with domestic violence, like it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we just not calling a spade a spade. We just not calling mm-hmm. it mental health issues. And we just calling it like I smoke weed. We just calling it. I just like lean. That's mm-hmm. what I do. But the reality is, like yeah, yeah, I pop pills like, is, you know, but the reality is a lot of hurt people mm-hmm. and um and that stems into a lot of this rap culture of domestic violence mm-hmm. of you know rappers killing other rappers and civilians but you know it's just it all contributes to to like negative cycles within families within communities um and people people need help and mm-hmm. they need to seek it but like Alyssa said if they can't recognize it in themselves then where do you even take the first step right 
question. Okay. Our last question, because um, we got to wrap up soon, is just about effortless perfection and connecting that kind of back mm. to Duke in the sense that I feel like so many people on campus, like, want to seem like you have it all together and, like, don't understand that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. So, like, what would you all say to that? Or, like, what would you be your response to this idea? Ooh, I feel like that's the main thing with that. And I would just say is something you see a lot, especially on social media, is like the person who's like, oh, man, I ain't even studying. I ain't even saying that. He's like, got 100% on that test, man. Like, you know, you like, I feel like it's people like appropriate not being ready culture. It was like, oh, I'm not ready at all. Mm-hmm. But like, I saw you in the library. I know you were studying for that stuff. <laughs> and then you, oh, I wasn't studying. Yes, you were. And then you get 100. Like, it's fine. But like, that that's the thing. You want people to think, oh, it's not even a big deal. Like, I ain't even study, but you did. And then like, it just makes the people who studied just as hard and didn't do as well feel worse about themselves. Like, that's the effect that no one sees that and is like, oh, I'm so impressed. They're just like, oh man, I don't have it together. So I feel like, but like the need to, I don't, I'd be curious. I don't know why we have this need to seem like we're not putting the work in, right? You know, like I feel like it's a big deal to put the work in. I respect the person that just grinds so hard and like pulls out, like a B versus the person that just shows up and gets an A. Like that's good for that person, but like that work is like a very important thing, and I respect that a lot. But I feel like at Duke, because it's so competitive, we want to seem like we're the best of the best. So even though like we're getting the same grade, well, I didn't even have to try. It was just easy for me, and I guess that's like deleterious to mental health in that sense. Yeah, I think the first thing to do is one, just stop comparing yourself to other people because mm, that's just what's going to pro- like cause just a lot of just distortioning your mind like you're just going to mm-hmm. think that you have to always compete with somebody when in reality they're probably not even worrying about you or not even competing with you you really have to compete with yourself and i think for me like i spent literally this like year which i'm proud of just like not trying to compare myself to other people and then also taking the time to like literally turn on what i was telling you name was turn on the saddest song that mm-hmm. i can and like cry about it or cry about like the issue like that's like that's um that's bothering me and mm-hmm. you know just get that emotion out instead of um like holding on to those emotions and then you know somebody come at me wrong one day and then i'm just like like you know blacking out on them so um I think just to to I guess help with that whole just coping with like some knowing that you probably have like an issue is one self care like sticking to yourself doing something that like you're you're comfortable with and finding that way to release that emotion and then after that you know taking the necessary steps to you know use caps or actually use your friends because that's what they're there for if not that a mentor or somebody who you can talk to um, to help. I also think um, this idea of like effortless perfection extends outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that as people, but also people um, in the black community and at Duke, Mm -hmm. um, we like we um, we like strive for social capital. Like if you you don't even want to admit it, but like in the actions that you do every day, like. Um, they're geared towards social capital. And I found myself in situations where it's like, I'm exhausted. Like, I cannot (laughs) extend myself anymore socially. But I continue to do whatever it is I think that, like, I need to be doing at this point because I'm trying to make it seem like everything's okay. Mm. Like, I stayed up till 7 a.m. writing a paper last night, and I really cannot keep my eyes open. But I'm going to still go do this because I need to save that social capital. Mm. And, like... I think that it manifests in different ways for different people. Um, but being able to like sit back and be in your own thoughts and like really be mindful of how you are feeling in a situation instead of suppressing it and just doing what you think that what you think okay people do. Um, 
will really help with this idea that like you need to be perfect for up for other people um and will really help you accept how you are feeling um so that you can work through it instead of it manifesting in ways that you cannot control in the future right yeah i think the reality is that people really need to do some introspection and I think that's for everybody mm-hmm. and that's the biggest lesson I've taken from Duke Duke taught me so much about myself and one of the things I had to learn was that like I'm not perfect and this idea of perfection is literally killing me mm-hmm. it's literally taking me to the lowest place in my life and that's not what I came here to do and I also think we really have to understand like what our truth is and so for me um, if my truth is being diagnosed with depression or anxiety like just being able to walk in it Mm -hmm. and also being able to communicate that with people that I trust Mm -hmm. and so with my relationships with my friendships that's something that I'm very open with and I'm very thankful that um they've been able to work around me and work with me to help me create the space that I need to succeed but I think in terms of effortless effortless perfection um you know sometimes it's being honest with people and I last week I told someone I was like I know you want me to show up but my depression is really bad today Mm -hmm. and I don't know what the hell their reaction was but I'm like I ain't even gonna lie to you no more and be like my stomach hurt because it don't like I just can't get up like I just can't get up and so I think doing that for people you trust or with people that you know aren't gonna like run their mouth it kind of shows I'm strong enough to do that Mm -hmm. maybe one day if you're going through that you can do that for somebody too and slowly but surely it'll change the culture Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you all so much for coming on the show and being willing to talk about this topic yes Um, before we leave I have one announcement Um, so the runway fashion show is going to be on Saturday April 7th from 9pm to 2am it's 18 plus at the fruit in downtown Durham 305 South Dillard Street it's a fashion show curated by 4 Magazine which is a magazine at Duke, and all the models are Duke students, so come out to support your fellow students. After the show, there'll be a dance party with local Durham DJs, so if you want to pop and lock it, you can do a little bit, do a little something, something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been Unapologetic Black Radio. I'm Naomi Lilly. I'm Trenaya Anderson. I'm Arden Anderson. And we thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful evening.